It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And Annalise Dressel from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic are joining us on what is a lovely bright sunny afternoon. Long may it last. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. A little bit of sunshine. You you can't beat it. And we all need the sunshine, don't we, for our vitamin D? Yeah, I think there was a bit of a hullabaloo a couple of weeks ago when a doctor up in Donegal was saying that it's one of the main reasons that he feels people in Donegal have so much osteoporosis is because of the lack of vitamin D. Yeah. Um, so there was a big, of course, debate then about whether or not we should be sunbathing. But we do need the sun. But it's not as much as people think. About 15 minutes on the bare arms per day of sunshine is enough. But if you think about the sun here in Ireland, Patricia, we don't ever get that much no. kind of direct sunshine in a day. So I definitely, I think I always say clock change to clock change, take your vitamin D, because when we don't have the sun, we need the vitamin D. And actually a listener has been on breathing. Mallow uh, is, uh, has recently started taking tablets for vitamin V deficiency. Uh, 4,000 IU tablets, does that make sense? Are you tell yeah, us? So I was put on them recently. Units. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was put on them recently for vitamin V D deficiency. What does Annalise think of those tablets? Thanking you, breathe in, Mallow. Yep, absolutely. Now it's a high strength um, vitamin D, so her levels must have been quite low. When you get your vitamin D levels measured, and your doctor can do it from your blood, um, it it comes back as you know uh, uh, um, insufficient, moderate, optimal, or too much. So ideally, you're in the optimal scale. Now, it's possible for the doctor to do it as part of a routine blood test, but it's actually quite an expensive one to do. So they're reluctant to do it unless you ask. And if you wanted to have it done, the best time to do it really would be, I think probably coming up, if we say that the end of the sun is gone by September, we still have a couple of months of vitamin D stores in us. So I think probably by December, January, if you've got your vitamin D levels checked then, that's probably the lowest that they will get throughout the year. Mm. They'll probably be, remain low then throughout January, February, March and April. So that would be a very good gauge as to how much vitamin D you should take because you'll know where you come, whether you're below um, deficient or, you know, just adequate or optimal. So that's definitely worth doing. Um, but if you just didn't want to get the test done, I think a thousand I use is plenty to take as a daily sub, um, a supplement because that's still quite strong. But it's not too strong. And I'm always wary about giving people um, very high doses of non-water-soluble vitamins, Patricia, because we'll always find out in years down the road that it wasn't a healthy thing to be doing. So I think a 1,000 IU is more than enough for most adults. 
and 400 I use for kids and do it from clock change to clock change and that will keep your immune system boosted and your bones healthy throughout the winter. Okay, a question for Annalise, please. Is beta-glucan good for an overactive immune system in terms of helping to regulate its response to normality? Yes, they can be. Now, beta-glucans are interesting, Patricia. They're getting a lot of attention um, in recent years for supporting the immune system. They seem to have um, a, a way of, I suppose, modulating the immune system so that it's very effective at fighting viruses and bacteria, but it's not so overactive that it it causes autoimmune conditions. But the Chinese have known about the benefits of beta-glucans for years because Chinese mushrooms have been a big part of their medical um, supplements for over 3,000 years. Um, They're absolutely wonderful, and people are always amazed when I recommend that they take a mushroom supplement. They are always amazed how good they feel on it because the beta-glucans are also brilliant for your gut. They uh, Mushrooms, if they come in mushroom powder form, they're wonderful for healing any kind of damaged guts. They're brilliant to kind of strengthen your overall kind of, I suppose, vitality and, and, and power. So a lot of sports people can take mushroom supplements. And I'd advise people to take beta-glucans in the form of um, powdered mushroom. The lion's mane is a wonderful one. Make sure that you get an organic one because mushrooms are amazing detoxifiers, which is why they should always be planted in areas where the land has been poisoned. They can take the poison up out from the the earth and uh, metabolize it and get rid of it. But if you eat those mushrooms that are grown on bad soil, they will have the toxins in them. So if the soil has been sprayed with glycophosphate, mushrooms can become concentrated. So make sure you go for the organic version. And they're very they're very available now. Years ago they weren't. I'm a big fan of them. I always use them for autoimmune disorder or for very low immune systems where people are getting recurrent infections and they always give good results. Actually, it's interesting when you mentioned the mushrooms. It was one of the things when I travelled uh, to Belarus uh, years ago and when we were down by the exclusion zone by Chernobyl, we were told of all of the foods, steer well clear of the mushrooms because obviously they were coming up through the soil Absolutely. with all the, with all the, the radioactivity. Absolutely. But they're a wonderful thing to plant, Patricia, if yeah. you suspect that the land has been... And you know, the, we, we have such a problem now with Japanese knotwood and you can only really use strong poison on that. I think that it should be part of the plan always that mushrooms are planted afterwards because those glycophosphates, only 50% of the glycophosphate is gone after 100 years. Yeah. So those toxins stay in the soil for a long time. OK, question for Annalise. This actually came in during the week to make sure that we'd get it, we'd get it in. Uh, my mother has been diagnosed with with chronic uh, uticaria. She takes antihistamines to control it, but not much success. She's also on a statin and has an underactive thor- and is on underactive thyroid medication. Is there anything else she can take? Now, I had to Google uticaria. I didn't know what it was. It's, a t- it's hives. Yes, absolutely. So it's a kind of an, uh, a histamine reaction. Um, and some people, like, it's very hard to pin it down, Patricia, because... Histamine is often released um, as part of an allergic or hypersensitivity reaction. And it's the natural, I suppose, antihistamines would be things like high doses of vitamin C, quercetin, nettle. Stinging nettle, actually, which actually gives you a rash, is also very good as an antihistamine um, and works very well for people with urticaria. So they would be all the natural um, remedies that you could try from the health store. Uh, Grindella is another one as well. Actually, Dr. Dealish Clare does an allergy blend. That's a blend of lots of different natural antihistamines and that works very, very well for urticaria. And she also has an anti-itching cream 
that's very soothing when the hives come up. But the interesting thing about um, urticaria and um, other rashes, unexplained rashes that come up, is that there's a big link with the gut. And the reason is, is that there's a certain amount of bacteria in the gut that will produce histamine. Now, your body can tolerate a certain amount of histamine. In fact, we need histamine um, in our bodies to do various different jobs around our bodies. But if the bacteria in the gut are producing amount of histamine, your threshold then for histamine that comes in food is very low because you already have a high amount of it in your body from your gut bacteria. So it takes very little then to push you over the edge. So foods that might be high in histamine are things like aged cheeses, vinegars, um, anything that has kind of been aged. Histamines can build up in that. Um, and then if you eat those, that could push you over the edge and cause the urticaria. So it's always good to work on the gut as well. So a good probiotic or a prebiotic that feeds the good bacteria. Um, the mushrooms that I spoke about earlier, their lion's mane, um, is wonderful for gut healing. So it's, it's quite complicated when it's unexplained and antihistamines don't do the job, but there is relief. So get the gut sorted as well. Okay, Shannon in Mallow says, hi, could you ask Annalise please about uh, antitriptyline for migraines, 10 milligram working up to 20 milligrams? Yeah, so amitriptyline would often be used actually um, for migraines and can be very, very successful. Um, it is also used as an antidepressant and the idea would be that, um, you know, it, it, it plays in with the neurotransmitters and serotonin um, and that there's a link with, you know, with over serotonin and migraines. Migraines are a complicated one and they can be very debilitating. You know, some people spend up to two days a week in bed, Patricia, with migraines. Oh my so goodness, severe. yeah. So the big things are to try and um, figure out triggers. That's one. And, you know, the, again, the histamine foods we spoke about there actually are often triggers. Um, chocolate can be a big trigger. Cheese can be a big trigger. Caffeine. Stress is a big trigger for some people. Um, some people find that taking riboflavin in a high dose as a preventative can cut down on the amount of migraines by up to 75 to 80%. So you need about 400 milligrams of riboflavin it's one of the B vitamins, it's vitamin B2, and it's, it's water-soluble, so you can't overdose, don't worry in it. So taking 400 milligrams of that every day as a preventative is a great natural remedy for migraines. Magnesium can also help because magnesium is wonderful to sort of relax out the blood vessels and the muscles around the head. So if your migraines are tension or stress-related, magnesium is a good one. But I always like to think that people would take magnesium at night because it can, can interfere in high doses with calcium absorption. So uh, we actually do need it also with calcium for our bones, but in high doses, it can prevent you from absorbing calcium. So by taking it at night, you're minimizing the chances of interfering with calcium absorption. And some people find they get a wonderful sleep after it as well. Okay, give that a try. Actually, talking on on sleep, somebody was on earlier. John in Mallow says, um, "Hi, Trish, I'm having problems, trouble sleeping. What would any of these recommend?" Yeah, so uh, like it's very common, and you know, I think it's a lot to do with people's stressful lives, and you're getting into bed and you haven't really wound down. Um, and I know, also can I say we've had very mild. I know we haven't had a great summer, but the nights have been quite muggy and mild. They have exactly. And we're not we've not, we're not catered for that either. So no. we still have heavy duvets and no air conditioning, and even with windows open, it's been very muggy. Um, I always feel very sorry for pregnant women um, in this kind of weather. So do I. Absolutely, <laughs> hot. it's the worst <laughs> feeling. But um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, there's a couple of there's, there's a couple of tips and hints, Patricia, to get a good night's sleep. And one of them really is to shut the brain down before you go to bed. And that means no um, screens. So stay away from computers, try and, you know, stop watching TV, listening to podcasts, being on your phone, um, and maybe go and have a nice bath or read a book, get into bed and read a book for half an hour. And that actually often slows the body and the brain down. Some people find magnesium is very good to help them sleep, but there are a few other things that are wonderful just to kind of stop that busy brain. Valerian is a is a great herb for that, um, and you'll find valerian in different types of um, supplements in health stores, mostly related to sleep. The Dr. Delish Claire Relax Blend can be very good as well just to help you relax um, and re- the, the busy brain to relax and get into a nice calm state to drift off the sleep. So valerian, Melissa is another one. We also call that herb lemon balm. And um, the Dr. Vogel, they do a valerian mixed with hops. And hops definitely make people sleepy as well. So any of those remedies can be good to take before you get into bed um, to try and help that busy brain calm and sleep. But other things then in terms of your bedroom, don't have any electrical devices or, or LED lights in there. Switch all of those off. They can be very disruptive to the brain. Um, and sometimes just a bit of exercise as well and avoiding caffeine. That's another two two tips to get the body tired enough for sleep. Okay, Mary says, Annalise often speaks of the benefits of taking turmeric. I'd take one-eighth of a teaspoon with cinnamon powder in water every day. Is that enough or should I be taking the supplement form as well? I think, you see, it's, that's a very difficult question to answer because very few people who live in the countries where they have turmeric would take it in high amounts. Um, so, like, India would be one of the countries now where they use it in, in nearly all of their cooking. And I can't imagine there would be more than an eighth of a teaspoon in the food that you eat throughout the day. So, I think probably as as a maintenance and just a kind of an insurance policy against ill health and as a natural healthy anti-inflammatory, that would be sufficient. But if, you, if you've got a very inflammatory condition like arthritis or if you've an autoimmune disorder or if there's a history of cancer in the family because as an anti-inflammatory, a great anti-cancer agent, or if there's a history of Alzheimer's, you might want to take it in supplement form in those cases. Um, a lot of the time, you won't even notice the benefit, Patricia, if you're taking it as an insurance policy because it's not one of those that makes you feel any better unless you're taking it for a particular reason. But lots of customers take the supplement form for arthritis and they get a great benefit. And then, of course, it's keeping all of the other systems in your body healthy as well. But one word of warning is that if you're on a blood thinner, it's not suitable because it also thins the blood. Okay, hi, this is from Kate. Uh, Could you ask Annalise, please, is it safe to use CBD oil while taking steroids? Uh, Low dose, two milligrams a day. Yet they don't they don't um, get in each other's way at all. So absolutely, um, a lot of people again are using cannabis oil as an anti-inflammatory. Um, it seems to also have an immediate effect on pain. So it does bind onto the opioid receptors, the same ones that we would use, um, you know, the Nurofen, the old Nurofen Plus for that have the codeine in there. So it can work as an immediate painkiller for arthritis type symptoms and I'm seeing amazing results in the shop Patricia with some of my customers like I have a couple of Parkinson's customers that say you know that their their speech has improved they're able to write properly and able to get back driving Um, a lot of carers are giving it to their Alzheimer's patients I don't think it's doing much in terms of reversing Alzheimer's but it's just very calming for people a lot of people with anxiety taking it as well 
and a lot of people taking it for arthritis. So um, it seems to be a low enough dose that that person is taking. So it's very hard to know what you need for your benefits. So I think you need to play around with it when you're not taking any other medication um, to see how much you need to actually get the benefit of it for yourself. Okay, we'll leave it there, Annalise, and we'll chat again next week. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks for that, and have a lovely week. That is Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic.